Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hardcore Gamers Show! <laughs> a show for gamers, made by gamers. I'm your hardcore host, Vincent. It's Sunday, December 5th, and with me today are Michael Colval. Hey, how you doing, Vince? I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling a lot better. Thank you so much for asking. And I also got Nathan Ludall. It's freaking cold out here, man. It is cold. Nathan did not ask me how I was doing, listener. I just, I can't, my feet... Let it be noted. I'm focused yeah. on my, my limbs are slowly degrading, but I, I hope you're doing well. Thank you, man. Keep those toes warm, you know? <laughs> All right, a really electric intro, but first, let's get to some housekeeping. We have a brand new show on the HGZ network. That's right, the Hardcore Half Hour is our mid-month episode covering one topic that you can find in the same feed you get your beloved Hardcore Gamers show. Check out our first episode on Night in the Woods, out now with special guest Delane, and be on the lookout for more Hardcore Half Hours coming soon. Next, we have our Discord server that is now open to all Hardcore Gamers. If you want to chat all things gaming with fellow hardcore gamers, check it out now. Link in the description of this episode. All right. Now, all of our in-the-know, terminally online gamers know that this is a very special time of the year. Once a year in December, a jolly Canadian named Jeff Keeley slides into our DMs with a list of games he believes may win an award. Celebrated annually, we in the know call it the Game Awards. So today, the gamers are going to come at the king and present our Games of a Year! Applause, applause. That's why it's in the script, folks. <laughs> we'll be sharing the games that are the winners in our hearts and our library, while speculating some of the Game Award categories before the show airs December 9th. But before we get there, we have a Game Club pick for December 2021. Michael, take it away. Thank you, Vince. Yes, I am very excited to announce uh, for December this year, we're playing uh, one of this year's biggest uh, Game Awards, Game of the Year nominee snubs. We're playing some Death's Door. Oh, I was so excited when this was announced at a pretty recent state of play i was so salty when it came out and it wasn't on ps5 and now we have a chance to play it all together yeah finally came to ps5 after being uh released on xbox and windows i think uh in july uh, sometime earlier this year um so happy that uh, you guys are going to be uh, able to try it out really great game really excited uh to talk about it for game club this month and there you have it death Death's Door Game Club coming at you at the end of the month. But now, I want to know what's been on Nathan's playlist. What you been playing, my man? Yes, I've been playing a couple games. I've been playing... Currently, I just started the kind of psychedelic trip that is the Artful Escape. Yeah. The game's fun. Love it. Yeah, Love it, it's man. Uh, it honestly, it reminds me of like if David Bowie were still alive, like a collaboration between him and just... Some, like, I don't know, just really good artists. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nathan, can you tell me a little bit about, like, some of the gameplay in The Artful Escape? I've really only been able to see trailers, but uh, it looks like you're kind of jumping around pretty similar to Mae Borowski in Night in the Woods. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're doing a little bit of platforming. It's, 
I mean, if you've ever played like an Annapurna game, they're mostly like pretty minimal um, and focus more on just like art direction, like the music and just like the overall atmosphere of it. But so this like game, you are like walking through and doing a little bit of platforming and doing some like musical elements to it. Like, you know, press this button for this note and that. Um, but it's it's mostly a walking simulator. But Very fun. Ton of fun, yeah. And it sounds like you get a little bit of that uh, Guitar Hero Yakuza karaoke bar uh, <laughs> sort of rhythm game segment in there too, huh? Yep, I'm always getting my fix. Yakuza will spill into everything I do now. <laughs> well, Nathan, that sounds great. Is there anything else on your playlist? Yeah, I've uh, also been playing with uh, Michael on here, uh, Halo Infinite. Cool. Sounds fun. Uh, yeah, uh, it is fans, awesome. uh, have to join us uh, sometime if you ever uh, find a way to play. But uh, Halo in- Infinite multiplayer is real good, man. Yeah, man, it looks really good. I have seen a bunch of clips. It really just looks like a sandbox for uh, first-person shooters. And, you know, I think we all probably went through the days of early Xbox Live playing uh, Halo 2 online, Halo 3 online, Halo Reach online. Uh, and I gotta say, it is kind of the shooter that I'm itching for right now. But Nathan, can you tell me a little bit about Halo? Like, what makes this one so special? Yeah, so um, I, it's been a while since I've played the Halo series, probably since like Halo 4 for the 360. But I, you know, like a lot of people dipped out during the X-Bone era, and I didn't get to play Halo Guardians, but I heard kind of mixed things about it. Like, it was a little gimmicky, blah, whatnot. And even, like, Halo 4 was, like, a little bit different, too, from, like, the previous Halo games um, in a lot of ways. Uh, Halo Infinite kind of just, they promise, like, this is just core Halo, you know, the multiplayer you love and know. So, you know, hopping back into it, that's exactly what you get. You know, you uh, good old arena shooter, you know, and it's when you're playing with friends, there's no other like multiplayer experience like Halo. Yeah, and if I can jump in uh, off the back of that just to add a little more, I think uh, some of the things that they've specifically done to uh, bring back a sort of classic feel, well, first of all, I think it's good timing where um, there's just been so many Battle Royales out in the recent years that I think it feels... I think it feels fresh uh, to come into this type of arena shooter, um, even if it, uh, you know, is an old idea that's been done before. I think uh, it's got a good timing, but they've also done things like bringing in the sprint is just built in now. And um, along with a slide ability that you can do, things like that make the movement feel much more modern. But at the same time, the time to kill is still very high. You know, you still have the shield. Uh, before you get down to your health bar and things like that kind of extend the uh, the length of an encounter and you know you have more of an ability to uh, it shot first but then still win that battle you can you can turn it around and and uh, maybe get a uh, close the distance and then get a melee off just right uh, or something like that Um so it's it it's this uh, classic feel, but uh, it's got this really great evolution. That I think is making it um, really enjoyable, and I think it's going to be the shooter to be playing this year. Yeah, agree with that. 
Very cool. Uh, I hope to be able to play the shooter someday. Until then, I will lick my salt lamp uh, just to feel something. Um, but uh, Michael, uh, you you said you were talking about Halo Infinite multiplayer. I see that on your list, but you got something else on your playlist that I'm very interested in hearing about. Yeah, Vince, uh, I picked up uh, this game, uh, Red Ronin. Um, it's uh, one that I heard about on uh, the Game Informer Show podcast. Uh, they did an episode on sort of hidden gems uh, from this year, and Red Ronin was brought up. And uh, I picked it up on uh, the uh, PlayStation Black Friday sale that was happening for only $0.79. Cents. Oh, and uh, I think the game's normally $8, so even at full price, um, not too spendy. It's this little indie uh, game uh, from Wired Dream Studios, um, and the game is, uh, I guess, um, if you've uh, played these titles, it's like a combination of uh, Crypto the Necrodancer and uh, Katana Zero. Um, the game describes itself as a turn-based but fast-paced dash and slash game. Um, and uh, so you are playing as uh, this sort of Ronin character with a sword and uh you're on a path for revenge and uh, uh, you go into these rooms and the, you've got your sort of top top down view of a grid um, and you take uh, you you take turns to move and you can go up down left or right and when you press on one of those directions uh, your character slides all the way to um, all the way that they can uh, until they meet an obstruction uh, whether that's uh, something in the room or the end of that room and uh, you, you're trying to clear the room of enemies, and they all will move at the end of your turn as well. And if you end your turn, say, uh, next to an enemy, but you haven't taken them out, they'll they'll hit you and take you out. Um, so you can, and you can only get hit once, and you take out all of the enemies in one hit. So it's this, pu- it's uh, it's kind of like Katana Zero turned into a puzzle game. Um, and uh, I'm a couple hours into it, and it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, you know, it's got these uh, cool sort of pixel graphics, um, and you're sliding around these rooms trying to figure out these puzzles. Um, there's a few extra gimmicks uh, that you kind of learn and uh, get thrown in there to mix it up a little bit. And that one's been a lot of fun, and uh, I am here to shout it out as well. I think it's worth checking out. Excellent. Uh, sounds like a really interesting game. You know that that one hit kill always feels so so good. One of the best parts of Katana Zero is the kind of like driving soundtrack and rhythm that you feel in it. So I can only imagine that a game that sort of bases itself around that one hit kill mechanic and the sort of like puzzle option sounds great. You describing it makes me, uh, A, definitely want to check it out. B, kind of want to revisit Into the Breach again now that I'm thinking about like a turn base like tactics thing mm-hmm. like that. That game's tough. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that for sure. tough. It's another good one, but yeah, that that sort of pu- it has that sort of puzzle element as well uh, on top of this sort of uh, stylish action. So yeah, it, it is a, a hidden gem. I uh, like I said, worth worth checking out. Excellent. Shout out to the Game Informer podcast. Uh, I haven't listened to it, but if you want to collab, just let us know. Um, <laughs> I feel like I always got to be plugging our podcast when we're talking about other podcasts, right? Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, that's interesting. I'm so glad you two are having fun with Halo. 
<laughs> I, I'm so sorry. I just keep reading like both of you are playing Halo, and it like I get that like very seventh grade feeling of before I had an Xbox 360, and like what is everyone doing without me on Xbox Live? And it's uh, got that it's, FOMO. Yeah, saying like... <laughs> some really insensitive things for sure, but you know, man, um, I'm 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 excited and ready for you to join us. So we've got the the spot on the ship for your Sea of Thieves entry and uh, your I spot cry. on the your spot on the fire team uh, on Halo. When when you're ready to join us, we'll be there. I can't Next. wait. Honestly, I'll definitely want to check out like ODST again too. Mm-hmm. Um, but. That's not what I've been playing. I've been continuing to play Inscription, a game that I can't really talk about other to say that you know how last time I said that I was playing the game and then it twisted on me? It twisted again. Like, it just does that. It just kind of changes how the game looks, how the game plays, how the game feels, like, with, with some really great internal storytelling, uh, that is is so surprising when it's like realized um because you see like this sort of figure whether it be like a card or a character yada yada you see this like sort of thing and like watching it come to a realization of context within the playing of the card game the uh nature of the video game and then this like third narrative frame uh when they all coalesce it's really something special um i have no idea why this thing isn't on consoles yet i think it's ready i think everyone needs to be playing inscription that that's really cool to hear um yeah i've heard like nothing but good things about this game and um i i'm wondering if you have a sense of uh how far you are are you do you, are you like halfway or two-thirds or do you have a sense of that um because it sounds like it's holding up pretty well um as you as you're continuing to get even deeper into it i think i am coming towards a resolution i believe a resolution is in my future i can't tell i'm scared this game like kind of scares me like i'm i'm afraid to like play more and like get into it more because at some point it's gonna end and there's no like i i don't know I don't know what happens when it ends. I think that's one of the scary things. Uh, and it doesn't help that the game is also like incredibly spooky vibes. And uh, it's got a really great soundtrack. Uh, if I could just like shout it out, no context, the, uh, the Prospector music is some of the best music I've heard all year. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um. The other thing that I feel that I'm absolutely not wasting my time playing, uh, and Michael has a big old grin on his face because I've already talked to him about it. Um, for the PlayStation Black Friday sale, I got myself Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yes, yes, yes. Man, all of my issues with the Yakuza combat have gone directly out the window with Yakuza Like a Dragon. I see you're enjoying the the turn-based combat then. It's so great. It's so fast. You never mentioned how fast it is. Yeah, I uh I think uh I think maybe uh Persona 5 and especially Persona 5 Royal still has maybe just a, a touch uh 
a smoother and even slicker, faster uh, battle. But I think uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, they they do it pretty quick and uh, honestly pretty stylish as well. Uh, I never felt like I was like bogged down with like, here we go, another turn-based battle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they get you in, they get you out. Um, They have a... uh a sort of um, Pokedex-style integration as well, where, like, the people you battle uh, end up going into your Pokemon decks, um, and it's all just really funny names and maybe some not-as-funny names for people. Uh, <laughs> you fight but... some of the most ridiculous characters. Have you fought uh, any of the uh, dudes that are just a guy in a trash bag and only his legs are sticking out of the trash bag? I haven't yet, but I'm so excited because the the other thing about this game is that there's gear you can equip, right? Like armor uh, and like weapons and stuff. The armor you equip never appears on your character model, which I'm kind of thankful for. Um, But the uh, weapon you equip always shows up. And currently, as Ichiban, I'm running around uh, beating people to death with a giant Hitachi vibrator. (laughs) Yes. I was hoping that that you were going to say that's the weapon you had. (laughs) My man, it applies paralyze. I... (laughs) I can't believe it how like OP this thing is and it's like oh no like could this be an end game weapon done with Pro- pleasure yeah <laughs> and you know probably not an end game weapon but like it is a, a a true joy to just be running around whapping people with a big vibrator um it makes me happy and uh this goes uh very neatly into my um favorite style of video games especially why i love jrpgs and uh turn-based games is uh it's a podcast game i can uh turn it on listen to some podcasts i originally had the english dub of this game going and i was like this is cute but i'm gonna switch it to the japanese dub i think that's uh more fitting for me um and I gotta say, as far as like outlandish performances go, sometimes the English performance is just a little too raucous for me. And I'm like, okay, I can get on board with this if it really does sound like an anime. But if I have like a bunch of English speakers like pretending they're in an anime, I'm not sure that I'm gonna feel the same. Because I don't watch anime with uh, dubs usually, I usually watch subs. So goes the debate of sub versus dub. It'll continue on forever. <laughs> Listeners, sound off in the uh, Hardcore D- Gamers Discord. Uh, link in the description below. Uh, I'm really uh, happy to hear that you're having fun with that one. I think um, turning it into uh, turning the series into an RPG was a really smart choice, and I think does help uh, add to or fix. Uh, kind of some of the things we recently talked about uh, in our Yakuza Zero Game Club episode, like the equipment and like the turn-based battles. Um, yeah, it, it's like, uh, it seems like such a hard shift and hard turn, but I think it, I think it uh, was really smart and works out really well. It's incredibly slick. Uh, they pull it off so, so well. Even the uh, perk or the stats system, like your uh, kind of like internal stats they're affected by small like conversational choices you make during sub stories which uh 
you know, I could use with a few more sub-stories. I think right now I'm still kind of pretty early in the game, but at some point I'll get more sub-stories, and uh, I hope to make more uh, compassionate decisions. Uh, uh, I... I, I would not be worried about lack of sub-stories, my buddy. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> I, by the end of the game, if you play all the way through to the end, I think you'll be ready for the end. Because, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know if that's a, a negative. Uh, you know, we, we talked about game length uh, before. And uh, um, I, I don't know, when a game goes on that long, so maybe some people like that and enjoy it. But uh, I, I like to get to the end of things you know so when i was ready for it to end i was ready for it to end and maybe dragged on just a touch longer than i would have liked but that is what it is Mm -hmm. howdy gamers it's vincent just wanted to take this moment to thank you for listening to the hardcore gamer show as another turbulent year comes to a close it's important for us to reflect on what's most important in your life and in mine video games and podcasts we hope you've enjoyed listening this year, and we hope to hear from you at our email, hgzgameclub at gmail.com, or on our world-famous Discord. We look forward to being featured in your Spotify wrapped next year. All right, y'all. I am so excited. We at the Hardcore Gamer Show are all about innovation and game appreciation. We understand that not all gamers can play all games that are released in any given year. Who has the time and income to support that? If it's you, the Hardcore Gamers are accepting sponsorships and monetary gifts. But in all seriousness, some of the best games I've played this year didn't even come out this year, and I want to take this opportunity to share some picks that really shaped my year in gaming. So, without further ado, I introduce the inaugural Hardcore Gamers Presents the Top 5 Games of a Year Award, presented by Vincent. What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Nathan just uh, teleported into another dimension. Yeah, it, it sounded like Mario got ripped out of his soul. Hey, um, man, I'm applauding here. I'm just putting all my energy <laughs> out there. That was, that was in the script. It was. I said, okay, Nathan and Michael applaud with gusto. I was going to just say it, but uh, you really you really stepped on that one, didn't you, Nathan? Hey, man, no. got to step up. I'm so excited for this. Uh, So we're going to be presenting our top five games of a year um, from five to one in order. We're going to do a little round robin, talk about why the game is on our list, uh, what makes it special, maybe why it's that number. uh, And then we're just going to continue on and on and on. Um, Y'all, I'm so stoked. And I can't think of anyone who I want to start more than our very own Nathan Ludahl. Yahoo! So, my continuous energy, we're just going to keep it going. You know. <laughs> uh, story time. I, like many people, struggled to get a PS5 for a long time, or, you know, semi-long time. So, they came out, what, November, right? Last year, 2020? Just about. I, and every month, up until about February 2021, I was just, you know, checking Discord, checking my email, you know, trying to get it. And lo and behold, I did get one. First game that I played on it was probably a lot of people's first games as well, was none other than Astro's Playroom, which, you know, some people call a glorified tech demo. I call it just a boost of absolute uh, serotonin. Um, yeah, this game rules. I 
from start to finish, which you can finish probably in like like two hours or something like that. Like I just had stupid fat grin on my face, like the same I would get when playing like a 3D Mario game. Uh, yeah, that game was a ton of fun. Excellent number five. Um, that game rules. It it's such a good showcase for the PS5. Uh, it's incredibly fun to play. Uh, there's so many Easter eggs. Do you, do you have a favorite Easter egg you remember or a uh, reference, I guess? There's a few. I really like the God of War boat that you come across in the like the sand level. Um, just because I just finished God of War not that long uh, before. Um, I really like the Bloodborne one. It's just everything PlayStation is just in there. Crash, Spyro, you know tomb raider it's yeah it's incredible and like you said the controller stuff is so cool like i, I usually i get like pretty like annoyed when you have to blow into your controller because like oh there's the fan like you know you gotta propel this for it's like okay whatever but when you do it it's really cool like what happens on screen and everything so it's such a great showcase i think of the playstation 5 and like a I am so happy that it comes with your PS5 too. It, it's just such a great welcome to the next gen uh, moment. I think, and uh, that Dual Sense is really popping off the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, while well, I was doing like the monkey uh, thing, and you pull down the triggers, you can like feel kind of the spring in it, and the whole controller vibrates, and the haptic feedback is just working full force. And yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Really wonderful, uh, excellent number five pick from Nathan. Uh, Astro's Playroom. Uh, if you have a PS5, go play it. If you don't, um, suffer, I suppose, uh, because I have no idea how. Honestly, like I documented my uh, trying to get a PS5 on this show, but what an incredibly difficult feat. Uh, something that I really wouldn't wish to have happened uh, for this console generation, you know? Agreed. So, with that said, Michael, what's your number five? Yeah, my number five uh, has got to go to a game that came out uh, very early this year. I think it was in January, and that is Hitman 3. Um, This game is so good. And um, it's really awesome because if you own uh, Hitman 1 and 2 as well, uh, 3 is really uh, the definitive edition of those two entries as well. Um, It kind of turns into a launcher uh, for all three of the campaigns. You can choose uh, any level from uh, the three sets, and they all have um, all of the sort of final... Uh, tunings and gadgets and everything that has been added up uh, to three is all um, available in in all of the levels at this point. And um, it's still one of probably the best looking games that I've played on Next Gen so far. Um, it's got uh, just fantastic level design. It um, it's really a puzzle game, um, and uh, where. You go into these puzzle boxes and you're sort of figuring out, okay, where are the guards and what can I do to uh, make these different reactions happen and open these different opportunities for myself. And um, it's just so much fun and it's so replayable uh, between uh, sort of the uh, built-in uh, challenge levels um, 
and the uh, community challenge levels um, that uh, that you any player can design. Um, and it's had uh, one of the most stylish, for sure. I don't know if it's the best, but it's uh, it's one of the most stylish, for sure, DLC packages uh, that has come out. They've been doing uh, this series that is sort of based on the idea of the seven deadly sins. And if you haven't seen the trailers for uh, those uh, DLC drops, uh, check them out because they're they're super fun, super stylish. Um, and so this this one ranks pretty high for me. I think it's one that uh, shouldn't be missed. What an excellent endorsement. Now, Michael, uh, you may or may not know, but I currently have uh, Hitman 3 for the PS5 sitting in a drawer. Um, just I, It was one of the games that I got in like a big Gamefly sale or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played... Uh, Biomutant and uh, sold it. Uh, (laughs) I've uh, started and gotten like a pretty chunky amount into uh, Resident Evil Village, which uh, I think I'm probably going to commit a little more to in between uh, Yakuza and Death's Door. Um, But I have not loaded Hitman once. I have not loaded Hitman 3 once. Do you think I need to know anything about the other games? Because I have Hitman 2 from the PS Plus thing. So should I start by playing Hitman 2 on the Hitman 3 launcher? Uh, I mean, story-wise, I would probably say no. You don't really need to worry about the story. The, yeah. the Most of the fun is just... Uh, being a badass hitman guy and uh, going in and, and doing your job. I think the most fun is in the gameplay uh, and kind of the uh, emergent stories that you can get from the reactions from uh, the NPCs and uh, the sort of playgrounds that you're in. But um, uh, I would say uh, two and three uh, have the best levels. So um I don't think you could go. I don't think you could go wrong uh, if you wanted to start uh, with uh, the uh, levels from number two. And like I said, if you're able to bring them into uh, number three, then they've they've got all of the same uh, you know graphical upgrades and and tunings and everything um, up to this point. So uh, you you certainly couldn't couldn't go wrong uh, starting from from the levels of number two. All right, good to know. Very uh, good choice for a game of the year, uh, game of a year awards. My apologize, a good number five. Um, and now we're on to me, uh, my favorite number five, which is myself. Uh, <laughs> so sorry for that awful segue. Uh, it's Amori, guys. I've it's Amori. Uh, Amori came out December twenty fifth, twenty twenty. I didn't find it until I was stumbling across some. I don't know, some blog, some Twitter thing, some tweet. I truly cannot remember where I heard about this game. I just decided to, you know, chuck 15 bucks at it and give it a shot. Um, And it had such a wonderful payoff. A friend of the show, uh, Chris, uh, had started playing it, and I was really hoping to get some of his reactions going through the year. And every time he met a new opponent or ran into something that I was excited for him to run into, he'd let me know and we would commiserate a little, but it's a game that is so full of surprises. 
um, uh, just in its very simple uh, kind of turn-based, um, undertale earthboundy DNA. Um, and I think the uh, sort of emotional combat system that you use in the game uh, becomes fairly poignant uh, when you get to the end of the game's story. Um, and I, I don't know. I haven't played a uh, turn-based RPG like so short and so effective, while also like throwing in brand new ideas for how a turn-based RPG should be played, and also a uh, unending banger of a soundtrack. I bought that soundtrack. It is three discs with 156 tracks on it. Oh my god! Unreal. Dave. Yeah. Um, and that's just all music that you run into running around, doing your thing. And I did. Um, I have one of my favorite songs from that album just, like, on YouTube. If it was on Spotify, it would be in my wrapped, you know? Um, and it's amazing to kind of have a game come in so, like, as such a surprise and kind of stick with you lodge itself inside of your brains you know i wrote a, a just a personal essay about the game just kind of like a small review of it where my like main takeaway was like i honestly can't tell you how to feel about this game because like whatever you end up doing in the game is your like interpretation of the story it belongs to you Dude, and I've like heard nothing like but good things about it from you. There's two things I know about this game. One from like your stuff that you've said about it and written about it, and two, there's a thread on Reddit that was going around. It was like basically like biggest like gut punches or stuff that like me you all know, major like kind of jaw drop, and that game popped up on the list a couple times. <laughs> like you gotta play Amori. I was like, ooh, okay. There's a huge there's a huge twist. There's a huge story twist. It's a twist that I don't necessarily like even, but uh I respect it because it's such a big swing and uh I think narratively it leaves a lot for you to kind of, you know, put together yourself, which is why I come to the conclusion of like whatever you end up getting from that game is your game and that is your like ending. Um, there's a version of the game where you never, like, you know, quote, leave your house, and uh, it becomes a uh, boss rush game uh, where you unlock harder and harder bosses. I think if I do a, a new game plus of it, uh, I would try that. But it's kind of the, you know, genocide run of Undertale versus the pacifism run of Undertale, which is something that I would consider the, quote, true ending of Amori. Cool. Mm -hmm. So that's my number five. Uh, Nathan, how about you tell us about your number four? Yeah, my number four, another game that kind of has a lot to do with uh, mental health in a lot of ways, um, which is Night in the Woods. Uh, we talked about it earlier this year, where our, our hardcore half hour. Um, I played this game when I was, you know, kind of in a, a weird place. Uh, in my life, I was, you know, living kind of farther away from family, working really strange hours, not necessarily loving life. And I played through it and really latched on to May and like that whole environment and just the characters around that small town. Um, yeah, that's a very wonderful narrative driven game. 
we have our whole hardcore half, half hour dedicated to it. So we don't need to go too deep into themes. But Nathan, do you have maybe uh, one scene or moment from the game that you continue thinking about that you keep coming back to? Are we... Are we entering spoiler territory? Are we doing that for this? Let's do it. If you haven't listened to the hardcore half hour, what are you doing? Subscribe to us. That's a good point. Um, I don't know. Okay, so there's a very specific scene that I kind of related to uh, back in my college days. So it's the scene where May and uh, Bia go to that college party out in like some city somewhere. And they're, like, having that conversation with those two dudes who are, like, you know, kind of casually talking about school and, like, dudes that obviously don't have a care in the world, right? They can do whatever they want with their lives because they got the money and, like, you know, social status to not have to worry about post-grad stuff. And May kind of, like, starts, like, you know, talking trash about them. Is like, man, that's, like, you know, it sucks not talking to people who have basically lack any sort of empathy, I guess. And it just remind me a lot of my college days and, like, interact with people that are just in a completely different plane than I was at the time. Still am. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's cool uh, having that sort of uh, narrative um, frame for May just kind of being like, she is a college student, but she isn't a college student. Mm-hmm. Like what she really is, is a local. And um, I think many of us probably feel similarly about our hometowns. Like no matter where your hometown is, you have this sort of like begrudging, like bittersweet affection towards it. Um, or a, uh, very like heartfelt disdain for it. Um, so I think having that small educational lens there as well really amplifies, uh, a lot of the big differences in the people that like may runs into and especially those people at the party who, you know, probably were just like speaking inconsiderately and are kind people, but like what you end up seeing are all the like rude, inconsiderate people you've ever run into at a party. Yeah. (laughs) That's your only lens to like speculate on. Yeah. All right. I love night in the woods. I'm so glad that it made it onto your list. And I'm, uh, surprised uh that you were able to play it twice this year and still get so much out of it Um, great michael tell me what you got on your number four yeah my number four and uh vince maybe you want to jump in here as well because i think we're sharing a number four i i'm just Uh, now seeing this i'm just now realizing uh yeah but number four for me and and it's kind of hard because uh almost uh Almost my top four could almost be uh, interchangeable with each other. But uh, uh, yeah, for number four, I had to go with Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Same. Um, another one that came out uh, decently early this year. Uh, was it Was it May? Uh, so uh, that came out this year for PS5. And uh, man, I, I love me some Ratchet. Um, and this one was a, a really good entry. Um, I think it was a, kind of a... a a return to form it's uh, simplified in certain ways but uh i think they just execute everything very well uh, the new characters that are introduced um it and uh and uh oh what's the the robot name bum, bum, i can't remember either it's fine <laughs> uh kit uh yeah. Oh, yeah 
uh, both of them are, are just really good. And I, I thought their new stories were compelling. Um, the game is a, a visual and audio treat um, all the way through. Um, another one that uh, I don't, I think if you've got a PS5, you should not miss. I agree. Um, I think this game is polished to a uh, perfect shine. Uh, I think you would be remiss to uh, miss this opportunity to play uh, one of the best PS5 games uh, to release so far in the catalog. Uh, and another entry of the uh, just can't miss incredible hit cycle of Insomniac Games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're probably working on... They were probably building Spider-Man 2 uh, while making this game. They're probably uh, doing pre-pro for uh, Wolverine while making this game. They uh, were finishing and shipping Miles Morales while they were making this game. And somehow, you know, you step into the club uh, on one of the first uh, planets after the dimensional shift. I think basically the first planet. Um, And the... uh, haptic feedback the 3d rumble whatever uh sony calls it in the dual sense has such an amazing low bass vibration that when you have your headphones on and you're hearing the bass actually moving in sync with like the vibrations of your controller i got chills i felt like oh wow this is the like scope of 3d immersion in gaming or like maybe even 4d at that point who knows but um i was shocked to have all of these bits line up uh again and again and again and again it's just such a well-made well-polished uh shooter platform and uh so much fun to complete too yeah uh i loved it that's uh, uh that's my number four nathan when are you gonna play it huh uh, right after I'm done suffering through Returnal. <laughs> <laughs> no, suffering is the operative word. Uh, well, cool. I think we're okay to skip over my number four since it is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Uh, the only other thing I want to ask uh, Michael is, do you have a favorite weapon? Um, that's a good question. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll go with the, uh, topiary grenade, uh, for now, because, uh, uh, that's just hilarious, man. <laughs> Throw out a topiary grenade and all of your enemies are stunned for, uh, for a good time on the battlefield there as, uh, these beautiful shrubs. Mm-hmm. Very OP, actually. Uh, I I felt like I couldn't enter a single combat encounter without a topiary grenade. Well, and I think it worked on uh, the bosses or all of the enemies, no matter what size. So uh, you throw it throw it out at the final boss, and he would he would be affected to some degree, even. So yeah, mm-hmm. really really great uh, like stun weapon. Same with my uh, favorite weapon, which is the pixelator. Every time the Pixelator is in uh, Ratchet and Clank, it was in the 2016 Ratchet and Clank. Great, uh, it's in this Ratchet and Clank as a pre-order thing or like a deluxe edition, yada yada. Great, awesome, love it. Um, I just love turning people into big blocks and then uh, hitting them with the wrench and watching the blocks explode away from them. Yeah, yeah, and it's never looked better, right, uh, than in Rift Apart. So many uh, polygons, so many uh, particles in Rift Apart. It's kind of uh, amazing that the game is still uh, 
it can run the hybrid uh, performance and resolution mode. Uh, brilliant. Yeah, they've they've got uh, Insomniac. They figured it out. Uh, they've got the 60 FPS ray tracing mode, which uh, I, I'm sure makes some sacrifices somewhere. Uh, I, I guess I, I imagine they, you know, yeah. they but they they find uh, they find the way to like. Uh, uh, to find that cross stream of of getting the 60 fps and the ray tracing in there uh, and i think they've uh gotten that in uh, in both their spider-man games at this point as well and it it just looks fantastic ladies and gentlemen it is polish nathan what's your number three yeah number three for me is the 2017 remake of the mario and luigi superstar saga for the 3ds <laughs> this uh this was a blind spot uh, series for me for a very long time. I um I adored the Paper Mario series, and I kind of heard about the series like growing up, but didn't really like t- you know paying attention to it. And it wasn't until after Alpha Dreams, uh, the studio who makes the series, their doors closed, that I decided to finally check them out. And uh, man, I waited too long. These games rule, like or at least the f- one that I played. I super super fun turn-based uh combat that has like similar elements to paper mario and that like you interact as you're like doing the uh turn-based stuff what a cool pick uh i played the original superstar saga on my game boy advance um the the one with no backlight believe it or not um that's right gamers we used to live in a time before screens had backlights it sucked um, but Mario Luigi Superstar Saga has such a, uh, very interesting, very interactable, uh, combat system and world exploration system. You, uh, I don't know if this is still the case, Nathan, but in the, uh, GBA version, you controlled like Mario with A and Luigi with B. So, um, kind yeah. of separating the two characters between the two buttons was, uh, a really interesting challenge first off, but I think it makes for a very, uh, cool uh, synchronicity and gameplay no yeah it's still the same thing in the 3ds remake it's i don't know it's cool to see luigi play a bigger role other than like outside just the luigi's mansion games right because he like you know he's always kind of just been the sideline green mario right and nintendo mm-hmm. and he plays a really integral role along with his brother in these games and it's the you know the story's fine it's just typical like nintendo stuff but it's like it's doable it's funny it's like combat systems a ton of fun the boss fights are great and like just the overworld exploration was just like a joy to travel around and solve the puzzles in yeah great great rpg series i really hope they continue to make these i think we deserve another mario and luigi rpg um especially if we're gonna change up uh paper mario I think I think there's room for a new Mario and Luigi RPG. Um, Michael, tell me about your number three pick for games of a year. Yeah, my number three pick uh, is actually our game of the month for December. Uh, that is Death's Door. Um, this is a uh, Zelda-like, I think is probably, uh, if you want to get one term for it, that's probably the most appropriate. Um, it's a little bit like uh, Zelda meets Dark Souls meets um, 
some other isometric type game, I guess. Um, but it's uh, it's just such a joy. Um, it's uh, the game's gorgeous, uh, and everything about it, from uh, game design uh, to the level design, uh, sound design, um, it's all it's all so great. And uh, I was really really surprised um, to see uh, this indie game just uh, pop off on so many levels so hard um, that uh, it's got to be my number three for this year. I um, I had a really hard time keeping this game off of my list. Um, I think maybe if I got to it a little earlier in the year that it would probably dethrone Omori. Um, but this game is great. Uh, it's wonderful. It's so well uh, made, um, and it's so visually striking as well. Um, but as soon as you get close on those character models, you see that, like, they're not incredibly detailed in the way that like we're kind of familiar with. Um, I would say that a lot of uh, character shapes are a bit more important than like character textures. And uh, I think that says a lot about uh, how you can see the game, but smashing pots is great in this game. Shooting off an arrow is great. You get a little hook shot. It's amazing. Um, Michael, do you have like a, a moment that really stands out in Death's Door that kind of solidified it as one of your games of the year? That's a good question. Um, I don't. I don't know if there was uh, a specific moment, um, and more so just uh, the feeling that sort of crept over me as I got farther and farther in of just like I am loving this combat, and um, even in even in the times where I would die and fail it was uh it it has that uh like i mentioned close to dark souls where you know it's it's fair and it's tough but it's fair and when you lose a battle it's like okay i think i can do better i can go back and i know that i just need to dodge at that moment a little bit better and uh it's um yeah it's it's just so visceral and uh you know it's got that a sort of simplistic art style that that really speaks to me i love um sort of minimalistic uh styles like that just in general um and um uh as i'm walking through some of the areas just letting the sound uh take over it's got um i would say a really beautiful uh subdued soundtrack uh throughout the whole experience that um yeah so i i don't know if there's an exact moment or just uh just living in it for a little bit and being like um i'm loving it more and more like every second you know Agreed. One of the best soundtracks of the year, uh, if if not the best for me. If I may, it's uh, I, I see the comparison with like Dark Souls like a lot with this game, and like I, I you know having just recently started it, like I do agree to that to a certain extent. I also think this is just like a really good Zelda game too, like an old school yeah. Zelda game with the dungeons and puzzles, and like yeah, it's kind of the next evolution in that genre, I think. Yeah, and uh, obviously we'll get more into it in our game club episode. But yeah, the the dungeon design um, so great. Um, you know, it has that uh, thing where you go in and you kind of get one more uh, ability, and then uh, you kind of learn that ability in that dungeon, and then that sort of opens up uh, uh, even more for you to explore. Um, so I, I couldn't make a list without this um, being somewhere high up there on it. Yeah, I I feel so. Uh... I feel so wrong talking about this game before a game club episode. It's so naughty. 
Yeah, I, I think we'll still have uh, plenty to say uh, uh, talking about the whole experience come then. But yeah, Agreed. like I said, couldn't couldn't make this list without it. Well, I couldn't make my list without my number three choice, um, which I almost put as number two. But I feel like I uh, I'd be remiss to not mention my number two spot where it is. Uh, so for number three, please put your hands together for the one, the only Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Outside, um, yeah. As Arthur Morgan, I uh, roamed the Americas. I went to Guarma. It was fine. Um, <laughs> but this game, oh my god, this game. It's so full. There's so much love in this game. And it makes me so mad to read about some of those, like, crunch like numbers and seeing what goes into this game and i i can only hope that at some point it was a labor of love and not a labor of necessity um because i think what we have here is a very special video game that will stand the test of time and if uh rockstar is not using this as a model for their like next grand theft auto or a you know god hoping Red Dead remaster. Um, I I think they're sorely missing the point on like what makes this game so cool. In a year with God of War and Celeste, Red Dead Redemption Two feels like a, a wholly new video game to the uh, open world genre. Amazing. Yeah, um, it's really uh, it's it's a it's a whole experience and. Uh, uh, it's uh, it makes me so excited, uh, kind of like you were alluding to, kind of looking forward. It's like, what is the next step for Rockstar? Because um, Red Dead Two, uh, it's just like you said, so full, so amazing, so uh, crazy that uh, all of those things that happen in that game are happening in a video game. You know, like what is what is the next level? Can can they go even crazier than this? Um, so that's that's going to be wild to see. Hopefully not too crazy. We gotta respect our employees, right? <laughs> yeah, for well, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe also uh, throw some respect the consumer's way. I'm looking at you, Grand Theft Auto: The Trilogy Definitive Edition. Um, but on like to the point, I cannot imagine a a year without uh, this soundtrack. A year without some of these like character interactions I've had. Uh, emergent storytelling is something that you mentioned with Hitman, Michael. But one of my greatest losses this year was getting my horse uh, killed. Um, my proud horse, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated in a covered bridge. I was ambushed and killed like instantly, you know. And when I woke up, my saddle was on the ground and my horse was gone. John F. Kennedy died. And to respect him, I have to put Red Dead Redemption 2 as my number three pick. Outside, I'm hooting. Inside, I'm hollering. <laughs> Nathan, please, you're number two. Yeah, so I... Uh was kind of like trying to decide if I was going to put this on the list or not. But like, I just, I just finished this game, I think like a day ago, but just like, you know, letting it settle 
And just thinking back on my experience of it, I'd be amiss to not put Psychonauts 2 onto this list. Amazing. Yeah. It, that game's incredible. I I think I mentioned previously on our like Yakuza episode that I knew very little about Psychonauts 1 and like played maybe a little bit of the camp, like, but that was like basically it. And going to this game, you know, they do a really good lore dump at the beginning and basically get you caught up. There's a couple things here and there, like you might want to go watch like a YouTube video talking about the first Psychonauts game, but they the game's so well written and so well done that it just stands so high and above with its like story and you know its different gameplay elements that you can play this Psychonauts two and not miss a beat or miss anything. Yeah, um, I I want to bring Michael in on this since now we've all played the game and uh, I I just got to know Michael, how does this Psychonauts compare to the first one for you? Yeah, uh, Psychonauts two uh, is actually my number two pick as well. Um, because this game, uh, like Nathan just said, I completely agree with everything. It's just so great. Um, and yeah, kind of wild to see. Uh, we were talking about just a little bit in our uh, Yakuza Game Club episode about um, how much more better uh, this sequel is. And, uh, you know, it sounds almost unfair uh, to compare it to this original Xbox game, but I, I think it's pretty clear to see um, that they did get uh, the you know, support that uh, I think they needed to really make Psychonauts 2 um, shine the way that it does, uh, where all of the writing, all of the gameplay, it's so crisp and it's so perfect. Um, uh, Yeah, this is really high up on my list. Um, Everything about it was just really great. I think the the writing and the world building is just... Um, it's so clever. It's so well done. Like, um, I was telling a friend of the show, Kirk, like, don't, don't like shortchange this game just because you don't know like much about Psychonauts. And the first one was kind of like a cult hit. Like this is a very high quality game. You're getting, um, kind of new abilities, like all the way to the very end. You know, uh, I think I, I mentioned originally talking about the game. I, I got to a point where I'm like, is this last ability? Am I getting close to the end? And then it's like, no, you get another new ability They're They're introducing new things for you to do. It doesn't get stale. Um, just a fantastic experience all the way through. Even uh, even after you finish the story, there is one alteration uh, of the like main core gameplay loop or just sort of environmental thing that changes uh, after you beat the story, uh, which I think is just a a nice touch and b um, such an inviting uh, such an inviting way to bring people into a franchise of Psychonauts. I think. Uh, this story went bigger and better than the original and uh, there's a lot of open roads for a future in Psychonauts but before we uh, get there uh, I wanted to ask uh, both of you do you have a favorite psycho power Um, Nathan I'll let you start yeah I really once I got it I ended up using the time bubble a ton for all my fights including the like last bite boss fight um 
in the game. So yeah, that that the time bubble saved my butt more times than I could count. <laughs> yeah, I really liked um, the Cyblast ability. Just uh, that was the sort of basic one that I was using for combat, uh, and I found it just a lot of fun to kind of hang back. Uh, and shoot these fools with my mind blasts. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a very amazing section in uh, the first game where you earn the side blast, and it's a very cool playground. Um, but it, it feels so fully realized in uh, Psychonauts 2. Uh, there's no ammo system. Uh, there's a better targeting system. I think even uh, I was surprised to see how fluid the combat was um but incorporating that side blast really made the whole thing feel so dynamic um all right i gotta talk about my number two and i'll try to talk about it um my number two game of this year is inscription uh so i'd like to open the floor if you have any questions <laughs> long pause it's like oh man he's this is gonna be hard I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell you guys. This game is... Uh, it, it's blowing my mind. I almost put Red Dead Redemption 2 there, but I couldn't. I couldn't... I couldn't acknowledge the fact that I've played a video game that has, like, changed the way that I'm looking at video games and how they can be played, or, like, how necessarily, like, a narrative frame goes. And it's this like is... Oh, go please ahead. go for it. Oh, I was gonna say it sounds like just like a really good like M Night Shyamalan movie, like at his like peak, <laughs> with the way you're describing it. Well, I think at the beginning of this episode, you were talking about it a little bit, and you mentioned kind of like the pieces coming together, like narrative influencing gameplay and gameplay influencing narrative. Is that does that sound uh, about right? Because that's that's something that that I kind of um, would identify as like very high quality game something that i think was very impressive about um you know something like hades people were were really impressed like hey this narrative is influencing what i'm doing and what i'm doing is influencing narrative and it's all it's all just sort of coming together mm -hmm. I, i'm talking about uh hades plus like doki doki literature club ways of like singling you out as a player and an experiencer of a game and like asking you, you know, not necessarily hard questions, but there was a point where they introduced a mechanic and I was like, oh my God, I like, should I turn this off? Like, <laughs> and, and it's so rare that a game surprises me like that. And it's not a cheap surprise either. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you would think that maybe something that kind of just like, wow jump scare or like wow uh, a whole new way of playing like this used to be a card game but now like we put like a small fps uh mini game in it like haha aren't we quirky it's like no that's not really it the the like base formula and ingredients for inscription never really change it's just that every time i like get to a new story point it's like i'm getting a new dish made of the same ingredients uh plus like one or two variations um, I really, really hope to see this game kind of included in the, uh, the like language of games of the year moving forward. I think people will remember inscription from 2021. Awesome. I'm definitely looking forward uh, to checking it out myself. Same. And it's Devolver. 
Devolver has had such big hits this year. We'll get into it, but like as a publishing arm, Devolver. Oh my god. Ugh. All right, we've reached that point. It's now time for our number one picks. These are our hour. These are our hour games of the year. I I believe he needs no more introduction, but Nathan, what is your game of the year? Yeah. I this next this game is like, you know, when you think back at like all the video games you've played, not just this year, but just like in your life, like I think some video games just like stick with us, like no matter what, and like kind of prove to be a puzzle piece in your life. And this game certainly is one of those puzzle pieces who I am. It's Persona 5 Royal. Oh! This game is beautiful. I loved it from beginning to end. And that's saying something because this is a hundred hour plus campaign, which when I was first getting into it, I was like, this is absurd. There's no way I'm going to enjoy this front to back. But the game did it. I there was never a dull moment for me in playing it, and that's saying a lot, I think. You never saw it coming. <laughs> All right, and I'll be taking over for the rest of the episode. Vince <laughs> just died. Uh, but uh, anyway. <laughs> Persona 5 Royal is such a good pick for Game of the Year. Nathan, I, I gotta know, like, what what did it? Why is this, uh, and please stop me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but... This seems kind of like a definitive JRPG for you, or at least like a version of a definitive JRPG. Can you tell us a little bit about like why the impact? Yeah. I mean, like there's just, there's, there's so many elements and like each element I could go on for hours on end, right? Like this is one of those games. It would take so long to discuss just because there's so much jam packed in there. But I mean, like for like, the smooth, slick combat system. They completely flipped the turn-based combat, like, upside down. And, like, I was reading, like, Royal even went a step further and made that even more cleaner than the original Persona 5 launch, which is... Yes, they did. Crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. And, yeah, combat feels great. All the characters you meet along the way, um, including, like, you know, members of the Fam Thieves and as well as, like, some side characters you and grow with like the relationship system's awesome you know spending time with all these characters feels meaningful and plays like actually like a big role in not only like how your your character grows and xp and stuff it learns but just like how full it makes the world right all the npcs have a role to play if they have a name like they're gonna be something to you at some point and then this story just is awesome i i really enjoyed just the regular persona 5 uh, storyline but and I, I won't you know spoil this because i think everybody that like you know has any interest in royal should check out the end game content but the like royal like storyline really takes it just to an instant 10 out of 10 for me personally and really hones all those like themes together like quite beautifully into like a nice package. That's one of the things about the uh, end game content, especially for um, for Royal, is uh, the the first Persona 
5, the first Persona 5. Uh, the original Persona 5 has its big ending, and it very much like lines up with any anime-like series finale you've ever seen. It's just way too big, way too bombastic, like over the top. And that's, you know, kind of what we had expected 100 hours into Persona 5. Uh, and Persona 5 Royal says, like, okay, you just played 110 hours of this game. Like, we're going to give you 20 more, and we're going to ask you why you spent this much time. Um, I'm incredibly bold. It, yeah, it works. It really works. I can't imagine... I'm I'm incredibly lucky that I didn't play like Persona Five without that royal context. I really cannot imagine it being not there. You know that's how like important it is to the entirety of that game and just like thematically and everything. You know. I agree. Well said. What a game of the year from Nathan Ludall. Michael, I know you're itching to talk about your game of the year. I want to hear it. Yes, Vince, I am itching to talk about my game of the year because I'm so upset that this game is not nominated for that category at the Game Awards. Uh, But my game of the year is none other than Returnal. Uh, This one came out on PlayStation 5 from Housemark Studio and is just a fantastic game. Um... It is oozing quality. Uh, the gameplay is the gameplay and the gunplay is uh, so smooth and so impressive. And what they did to kind of transform this arcade experience into um, a greedy uh, action adventure roguelike platformer thing um, is really impressive. I think it's got. Uh, incredible sound design if you played with headphones um, you know you could hear all of the creatures around you or uh, when you pause I think it uh, the view kind of goes in like you're like you're uh, viewing things from in Celine's uh, uh, helmet and you can hear the little raindrops uh, dropping onto the headset um, they did unreal uh, things with the haptic feedback and the uh, uh, the 3D rumble in the DualSense controller. There's a vibration in this game that, like, I don't even know how to explain. I didn't know that, like, that type of rumble could could exist, uh, that feeling. Um, and uh, I just loved every second of it. Um, I think it was really impressive and the best game that I played this year. It is a tech marvel. Um Michael, I think you nailed it with the audio design. Um, I think about it all the time. Even if you don't have controllers on, you can hear the DualSense kind of do this like burp, 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 like when your uh, heads-up display loads up. Yeah, um, yeah. Right at the beginning of a run. Um, And it feels so tactile. You can feel raindrops uh, in the controller sometimes you can feel uh, loading mechanisms or uh, I think uh, for a dash or an enemy whiffing right by you, uh, there may be, or it could just be the result of the 3D audio in a headset, but um, playing this game felt like being in this game in a way that I think sort of mirrors that uh, Astro's Playroom tech demo um, 
they they said, yeah, the dual sense really can do that. Um, and I think for my money, Returnal is probably the best use of the dual sense all year. And and it was really um, those things that kind of pushed it over the top over uh, Psychonauts two for me was like when I when I thought back about the experience, I was so impressed by uh, what it does add to have that type of rumble in the controller and that type of uh, audio design when you're playing with headset. Um, and you know, I'm speaking about audio design here, but soundtrack as well. Some of like the coolest. Um, boss music uh from this year as well it just everything about it is great um that's my number one Cody for this year what a pick yeah a returnal a very good game truly uh one of my favorite character action games of the year um i had to say it michael i had to press that button uh in fact that <laughs> button connects to the slime uh you're getting slimed oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Slide. Room is a mess, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> uh, y'all, I'm sure you saw this coming, even if you didn't look at the Excel sheet that we use for this show. But my game of the year pick is Psychonauts 2. It is why I uh, very, uh, uh, I would applaud myself for holding my tongue um, while y'all were talking about this, because I, I wanted to save it for when I could have the floor. And uh, I'm just here to tell you that uh, I played the first Psychonauts when it came out. I've been waiting for Psychonauts 2. Me and my dad have been talking about how cool Psychonauts 2 would be for years and years and years. The fact that the game is out, the fact that the game is good uh, is one thing. But the fact that the game, like, makes me feel like I've grown up and understood, like, mental health as well as psychic health... I just think uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty impressive balancing act, all things being equal. And uh, when you combine it with pitch perfect platforming, uh, incredible, colorful, well realized levels and stages, um, I mean, I'm not going to forget the Psyching level for a long, long time. Um, even if I wish there was the Milkman conspiracy in this game, I gotta give it up for um, the casino level, um, Hollis's uh, casino level, um, and seeing sort of the dangers of being a psychonaut. I think in this game, uh, it doesn't quite have the same uh, synchronicity of gameplay and storytelling um, that something like Inscription does, or uh, you know, but I feel that this game sort of takes the cake narratively uh, and gameplay wise. I've never played a story game this fun, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think uh, every single level and world that you go into the, um, is, is super impressive and super fun. And uh, that was one thing that I was always looking forward to uh, as I was making my way through is like, okay, this level is so great. Like, what's coming next? Because um, they're so unique, uh, but they uh, they do come together to build uh, this amazing Psychonauts world. Um, yeah, I thought it, thought it was just great all the way through. I think it's this is another one where, like, I don't know if there was a specific moment 
or just this growing feeling of like everything that is happening here is like amazing. Um, yeah. I'm really enjoying this. It's so incredibly hard to make a platformer feel good. And people like a lot of game developers talk about that when they talk about like Mario, right? Because it is incredibly difficult, not only just to like have an interesting world design or level, but to have the character feel good when you're maneuvering and using their abilities and these kind of action platformers is just a feat of its own. And on top of that, adding a story that made me feel things, you know, I mm-hmm. like was shocked that I was very moved by like some of these characters, like Bob, like his whole like, you know, world was just I, I was surprised of like how incredibly moving it was for me. Every like side character and side story is like worth uh, following and getting into and is like well told. Yeah. And that's before you get to like an incredibly big like plot twist. Um, which I I don't even know that I mentioned much, but the story in this game is so good. The all all of the like fights, all of the battles, all of the uh, collecting of figments and other doodads. The scavenger hunt is a ton of fun. Uh, walking by people and using clairvoyance again on them, like just to see how their opinion of you has changed, uh, is really great. And I like, I see the roots they're planting for either Psychonauts three or Psychonauts two DLC. Um, I do not believe we have seen uh, all of Otto Mentalis's uh, desires, and uh, I hope that uh, we can see more Psychonauts in the very near future. But for now, that Psychonauts two is my game of the year. Very nice. Very good one. What a wonderful year for gaming. We are so yeah. blessed. And since right. uh, I, uh, I, um, I don't want to take too much time because I think we've already gone probably a little long here, but yep. I think this was a section you had on there and cut off, but I guess if I can say just in like 30 seconds or so here, games that I, I, I sort of wish I had gotten to. Um, and uh, I, wanted, I did want to shout out uh, Life is Strange True Colors is one that... Uh, I've seen a lot of good uh, buzz around, and uh, you know, I, I really enjoy narrative games, so I'm really looking forward to getting to that one. Um, another one is... Uh... Man, now I'm wasting our time because I forgot the freaking name. No, here. <laughs> um, Before Your Eyes, or Before My Eyes, uh, one that is uh, only on PC right now. You play it with uh, your webcam. Uh, it's a narrative game that uh, the story advances. You are like seeing uh, this guy's entire life story. It advances every time you blink. Um, and so sometimes you might even miss content or be surprised by um, how much of a jump uh, it makes when you blink. Um and uh, that one is uh, also supposed to be really good and one that uh, I, I want to get to. Um, yeah, yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to shout out, I guess, uh, some, some good narratives yeah. uh, that I hear are worth checking out. Amazing. Nathan, what are uh, two games that you wish you had a chance to play this year? Dude, like every indie title ever, really. Like, <laughs> seriously, I mean, like, I'm always like pissed off that I missed the big AAA games. Like, I'm gonna like try to catch up with Ratchet and Clank and all that. 
But like, there's so many good indie games that come out all the time, and like, you know, this is kind of to the fall of the game awards. They just never get the recognition they really deserve. So, um, just a couple like to have in mind is like Twelve Minutes, which is like it was named at the game awards. I'm really looking forward to playing that. Um, I also really want to play um, Tales of Arise. I I think you know. Am I physically or mentally ready for another hundred plus hour JRPG? Who have, who knows, you know. But <laughs> um, when I am feel like or you know think I am, then yeah, I will jump in Tales of Arise. Excellent, yeah, definitely a game uh, that made it to the uh, bottom of my uh, top ten this year. But Tales of Arise, uh, another excellent JRPG. Uh, one game or two games that I want to play. Uh, I want to play Metroid Dread. I want to play Metroid. Yeah. I want to play Metroid. Who doesn't want to play Metroid? Um, I it, that game looks great. I love some uh, Metroidvanias, and this is just Metroid. And uh, I want to see what they do, and I want to come out the other side saying Hollow Knight did it better. You know, <laughs> um, that's a bit of a joke, Nintendo. If you still want to sponsor us. Um, but uh, the other game that I feel like actually very bad for missing is one of those indie games uh, that you're talking about, Nathan. Not one that you mentioned, but uh, Chicory. Chicory mm. um, is a game that I had seen so much about, heard so much about. Uh, Lena Rain, uh, who made the music for Celeste, made uh, the music for this game. And so I saw it on her Twitter all the time. And uh, I just desperately want to play Chicory. Uh, haven't had a moment to do that so it's not you it's me those are the two games from 2021 i am most excited to play in the future all right gamers last stop uh we are talking about some of the uh game award nominations that really stuck to us uh and we are going to predict uh our winners uh, prior to the Game Awards airing December 9th on uh, everything, I think. I don't know. Jeff Keighley has a pretty long reach. Um, so, without further ado, let's start with Best Indie Game of the Year. Our options are 12 Minutes, Death's Door, Inscription, Kena, Bridge of Spirits, and Loop Hero. Uh, I'm going to start here just by saying uh, Inscription. I want this game to win and I want everyone to go what and then uh, not have a way to play it. I think that would be very funny. <laughs> uh, my pick for this one has to be Death Store. Uh, I think Inscription uh, is nominated for something else and Death Store is not. And uh, uh, I mean, I haven't played Inscription, so it's tough for me, but I think uh, you know, 12 Minutes was uh, pretty good, pretty fun. Uh, I haven't played uh, Loop Hero, but I do want to check that one out. I know people are pretty high on that one as well. But I think Death Store was just a very quality experience all the way through. And that's the one I would like to see taking home best indie. I'm also going to hop on that Death Store train. Uh, Choo Choo. It's a, I don't know. I just everything like I've read like about it prior to playing a little bit of it and then just like hopping into the game myself, like yeah it lives up to it you know i think the only other like real contender in this i mean i could be speaking of term here but probably Kano bridge of spirits but i think death store is going to take it i uh i see where y'all are coming from and i think yeah death store is maybe most likely to win uh best indie 
Uh, Death's Door, Inscription, and Loop Hero, all published by Devolver, having a really great year. Yeah, um, great, great publisher. And uh, the only thing I wonder is if Kana has um, maybe the most... Uh, maybe the most notoriety or most well-known just name on that list. And I wonder, wonder if that, you know, sways the vote at all. I don't, uh, I, you know, I don't know exactly what everyone that's voting on it feels like, but uh, I, that'll be interesting to see, I guess. Well, I haven't played 12 minutes, so I can't say for certain, but Kana was the uh, least interesting game to play for me personally. Um, so I, I would much rather see some of these as winners. Um, but we will see come December 9th. Our next category in the category of best game direction. That's right, folks. We're really just getting into the final two here. Um, we have Deathloop, It Takes Two, Returnal, Psychonauts 2, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Nathan, tell me, what's the best game direction? Dude, this is tough. I... I'm honestly going to go on... This isn't even a game I think is going to, like, do super well this year, but I'm going to say Deathloop for this one, just for the sheer size and scale of, like, this game and what it accomplishes. You need somebody that's, like, going to, like, have it all together, right? All the pieces, because it's kind of a mind-bender for a lot of it. (laughs) And I think it takes a lot to keep all your thoughts and everything, like, together, to create something like this. Uh, I I agree with you, Nathan. I think Deathloop uh, will probably win get best game direction of uh, of the nominees here. You know, I'd obviously love to say Psychonauts two till the end, but uh, Deathloop's story is a mess when it is introduced to you. It is a mess on purpose, and uh, one of the great things about playing as Colt is putting it together. Uh, and they created uh, really wonderful systems in order for you to keep track of all your knowledge, but also keep uh, knowledge as sort of a scarcity uh, to you, that when it does come, it does have a reward or it does have a purpose. Um, and I think Deathloop accomplishes that. Uh, on top of a, uh, I would say, a semi-successful multiplayer mode, um, Deathloop has a very uh, wonderful game loop. I think it does deserve best game direction this year. Yeah, this is a hard category because I think uh, the uh, the nominees all um, do that thing where they sort of come together really well. And I think that does take uh, good game direction um, from all of these. I agree a lot with what you guys are saying about Deathloop and how it's uh, it's got maybe, maybe one of the most convoluted uh, sort of uh, stories and systems when we're when we're looking at um, some of the nominees, but uh, my pick and my prediction has got to go to Returnal, baby, uh, because it's uh, my favorite game on that list. So uh, I hope it wins. Dunzo, yeah. <laughs> I I always feel that kind of like, what do I think w- should win versus like, what do I want to win? And obviously, I want Psychonauts two to win an Oscar, but you know, um, we may not get there this year. Uh, and before we get to the game of the year pick, uh, I want to ask you all, uh, what surprise are you hoping to see at the Game Awards? I'm going to start. I'm going to say it first before anyone else gets a chance to. I want that Bloodborne remaster by Bluepoint, or I want a Bloodborne sequel, but I think you know it's probably going to be a Bloodborne remaster by Bluepoint. 
Dude, let's get them both. Bluepoint, make <laughs> make the uh, Bloodborne remaster and sequel at the same time. Let's go. Oh, so good. I, I would love to see it. Michael, what are you hoping to see as a surprise? Uh, the surprise I'm hoping to see is the uh, Naughty Dog multiplayer project. Um, I think uh, enough time has passed. I think uh, Factions uh, was planned as uh, the sort of multiplayer component that would release with Last of Us 2. Um, I think uh, it eventually sort of outgrew uh, its uh, being attachedness uh, to that game, and they wanted to make it its own project. We're approaching two years now uh, since the release of that game. I think it's uh, I think it's time. I think people are ready to see. Uh, I think uh, it'd be good to, uh, yeah, see where that is at, what it is. Um, hopefully uh, it's coming sooner than we think. But, uh, you know, I think it's time. I think it would be really awesome to see that here. Michael, absolutely parched for some Naughty Dog content. Please give it to me. You know, we'll probably see a trailer for the Last of Us uh, series at the Game Awards. Oh, hey, yeah, definitely. That would be really cool, too. Um, yeah, not a game itself, but uh, I could see that happening at the, the Game Awards. Yeah. All right, Nathan, what do you got? So there's been rumblings about a game... A few months back, one a musician let out that they were working on a soundtrack for a big Sony remake that was going to be announced Christmas. Now, I would not be surprised if it was supposed to be at Christmas time, and so maybe like Game Awards would be like the big reveal for wherever this Sony remake is. Um, some rumors are saying it's the uh, a Chrono Cross remake. Kind of hope not, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I'm curious if it's like what you know big right quotations like we'll see what that really means Mm -hmm. yeah big could be just about anything from sony Mm -hmm. they could say like spyro uh mobile game and uh that'd be something but um all right we are at the final section of this episode thank you for sticking around so long our predictions for game of the year we have the nominees are Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, and Resident Evil Village. Michael, Game of the Year. Yeah, another um, another tough one. You know, it was a really great year for games, and uh, I think that's always a good thing when the category, uh, it's really hard to pick from the nominees. If I have to pick one... Uh, I I pick and hope and uh, I choose and hope that it is Psychonauts 2. Um, I think that is probably the best game of this list here. I'm worried that Deathloop will take it, and I don't <laughs> want I don't want Deathloop to take it. And uh, and uh, could dig into that more if we want. But uh, my pick is Psychonauts 2. I- I'm wondering why you're so sour on Deathloop. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I don't even want to like sound negative. Like I didn't like it, but something about Deathloop was like, uh, 
know that meme that's like the top gear meme of jeremy like pointing between one car and the other and he's like this one is good but, but I, I like, like this, this. <laughs> that, that's like me with death loop and dishonored too where you know both they did... games we all played this year yeah yeah right and so so we ha- like having them both in in our mind helps a little here but like um you know Deathloop I thought was great, but I like Dishonored too. And, you know, they did some things to sort of, uh, I think, make the experience a little quicker, maybe make it a little more mainstream. Uh, But at the same time that they took out some of the things, some of the niche things that like I really loved about Dishonored too, Um, you know, like they, uh, they make it so you can only have two abilities. And one of the pluses of this is you don't spend any time in a radial menu being like, okay, which ability do I need here? Uh, but you know, if you're me, you uh, the the way that you like to play is kind of sneaking around up in the rafters and blinking around. So like blink never left my inventory, which really means I'm only choosing between one other ability at all times um, if I'm playing the way that I enjoy playing the most. Um, so just just a couple of things like that uh, kind of uh, kind of made me dislike the experience uh, a little bit more than I was hoping I would. And so if I've got to choose between them here, you know, I I respect and like Deathloop. I like what they did. I'm glad that I played it. But uh, game of the year, I don't know if it's quite game of the year. Psychonauts two, I think, just hits on all it's on all cylinders. You know, strong words. Nathan, to you, game of the year. Yeah, I'm kind of in the similar boat. I really, really believe Psychonauts 2 is probably like the winner here, like just taking everything in consideration about the game. But just with how high, because with um, how high like the gaming press was on Deathloop when it came out, and I'm pretty sure it's it's mostly the press. Uh, Game press that votes in this, correct? I know it's them that chooses the nominees, but so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think I think uh, fans do get a vote, but it's like a ninety ten split. Okay, with that, the fans in, fans get like one out of nine votes. Okay, <laughs> taking that in consideration, I'm still gonna stick with my guns and say it's um, Psychonauts two, but I really. Really, I don't know. Deathloop's like kind of looming there as like a really like dark aura. Like, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> nothing wrong with the game whatsoever. But like, when you consider like just what else is on there, and like with how big of a release Deathloop was, but then like it's slowly, quietly kind of gone away, right? Nobody really talks about it anymore, and I think that's for good reason. Well, Honorable and- mention will go to. Uh, it takes two because I think that's one of the best like, co-op games like in a long time to come out. Just uh, another like one more point that I thought of, you know, while you were kind of saying uh, your thing there, Nathan, is one thing that I think um, Psychonauts 2 has over uh, Deathloop is like everything comes together really well at the end. And I think Deathloop is sort of more about playing the experience than it, uh, is about the ending, but in my opinion, it sort of ends on like a quiet fart instead of like a you know great resolution that 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 brings it all together. So you know the the narrative uh, 
does count and does uh, matter for a point. And that's something that I think Psychonauts 2 just, you know, it's got all of it. Mm -hmm. And I won't waste time pretending like I'm not going to pick Psychonauts 2 for my game of the year pick, uh, because I do think it fires on all those cylinders. But uh, I will go out of my way to say that I think um, maybe the game that should win uh, game of the year is uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um, I think that is the game of the year that used uh, technology and uh, sound and storytelling uh, all, you know, cranked up to 11 um, on brand new systems. So I think if we're talking about like a year in gaming defined by like one of the more advanced games of the year, it is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. But if we're being real, it is Psychonauts 2, better story, better characters, uh, incredible visual sense and style. Uh, I would say pretty great audio. And the last bit that I forgot to mention when talking about it was uh, uh, the writing and dialogue is good. And uh, it that's a hard thing to do on like the uh, sequel to a game that came out in like 2005 or 2006, you know? You very easily could have gone way cringe. And uh, instead, they're able to just kind of like toe the line between like very cheesy and uh, incredibly heartfelt uh, and poignant. And uh, that's a that's a balancing act all of its own, let alone, you know, making a whole other video game on top of that. Shout out to Richard Horowitz, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's the king. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of the Hardcore Gamers Show. We'll be back soon with our hardcore half hour on our favorite soundtracks from gaming. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss our game club for Death's Door coming at the end of this month. Tell a friend about the show and tell them that they can join the conversation on Discord or send us their thoughts to hgzgameclub at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. My name is Vincent Hand. This has been the Hardcore Gamer Show. Gamers, 